Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And a very good morning to you on what is not a bad day weather forecast wise and tomorrow is meant to be even better. It's meant to be a nice bright and a sunny day. But there is that fear there that is this the calm before the storm uh, because I know Met Aaron in particular, the weather forecasters in Met Aaron are keeping a very close eye on this Lorenzo, this hurricane that is moving up from the Azores and is heading our way. Now there is the hope that as it moves up along from the Azores at the moment it's looking like it's on track to clip sort of the west coast of Ireland which could put it certainly the way it's going now it could put West Cork into the fray of now it'll be a tropical storm by the time but quite a strong tropical storm by the time it reaches this country and it's expected to arrive on Thursday and as I say Met Aaron keeping a close eye on it we're keeping a close eye on any updates that we are receiving and if we get anything in from as I say tracking Hurricane Lorenzo uh, if we get any updates on it we will bring it uh, to you please God it'll bypass us completely all we need is for it to turn direction slightly and just go up north and it will completely bypass the West West Coast but at the moment it is if it stays on track it will hit the West Coast and then uh, head up north so certainly more inland parts should escape but it's Thursday is going to be D-Day for what's left of Hurricane Lorenzo by the time it reaches our shores. Anyway, a very good morning to you and we welcome you along to the programme. John Paul taking your calls at 1850-333-103 texting and WhatsApp available to 0862-103-103 and we had a huge reaction yesterday to our interview with Colm Keane and Uno Hagen who joined us live in studio to discuss their latest book The Village of Bernadette Lourdes Miracles Stories and Cures and the Irish uh, Connection and even still this morning we're getting calls in from people about the interview for people who missed it uh, yes you can go online and listen to it as a podcast you can go on to uh, c103.ie and listen back to the programme yesterday's programme is up online and the interview with Colm and Una went out in the middle of the programme so I don't know exactly how what you have to fast forward in but it's the middle of the programme but lots of people ringing up about it lots of people looking for the name of the book the book is simply called The Village of Bernadette 
yes available in all good bookshops as they say and the other question being asked is how much is it it's uh, priced at the recommended retail price is 14.99 but it's called simply called the village of bernadette at the underneath it's called it's the irish connection and it's a lovely lovely book i took it away it was one of my holiday reads had it away with me on holidays and it just goes through saint bernadette her own life story God, she lived in such dreadful poverty when she was a child. Her work as a shepherdess, then when she started seeing the visions of Our Lady and then went on to be a nun and the very harsh treatment she had as a nun. And then she, of course, died very young. She was died, she was only 35 when she passed uh, away. So the book then goes on to talk about different cures, uh, like recoveries, for example, from cancer, epilepsy, people with very severe lung problems, people who went to Lourdes with skin diseases, pain, people who went with paralysis and physical disabilities. And there's all various stories, all with an Irish connection. So all of the cures are to do with an Irish connection are all in the book. And then they look at kind of famous people that went to Lourdes. I mean, the likes of John F. F. Kennedy, Grace Kelly, Brendan Bean, Seamus Heaney. And we didn't get to touch on any of that yesterday. We had so much to talk about with Colm and Una. Their delight. I love to have them in studio uh, as well. And they always, it's the weird thing, they always get a kick out of texts and calls coming in from people commenting either on the book or whatever the topic is they're talking about and they loved yesterday to hear from the many many people who contacted us who had a story about Lourdes or who spoke about going to Lourdes and this pull and this connection with the village of Lourdes and the need to want to go back there are what an awful lot of people talk about when they're there people not wanting to leave. Now, we all go away on holidays and trips away and, you know, nobody wants to see a holiday come to an end. But, you know, for the most of us, you know, you get back on the plane, you get into the car, the train, whatever it is, you're just glad to be going home. But whatever it is about people who go to Lourdes, nobody ever wants to leave. And there's this almost promise that as people are leaving, we will be back. And many people have gone back time and time and time again. I mean, Una said yesterday when we, when we spoke about that, she said, you know, she met when she was book signing in Knock, funnily enough, and people were coming up saying that they'd, you know, she'd say, have you been to Lourdes? And they'd say, yeah, I've been there five, six, you know, seven times. Somebody said, I've been there 17 times. And then somebody came and said that she'd been there 44 times. And we were getting calls in from people yesterday saying, yeah, that they have been many, many times to Lourdes. And both Colm and Una, as I say, were absolutely thrilled with the response that we had to the interview when we were on air yesterday. So they'll be delighted that we are continuing to get response from people. But the book is available. It's on general release. The village of Bernadette, as they say, retail price is fourteen ninety nine. And yes, you can listen back online for those of you that missed the interview yesterday. Now, coming up on the programme this morning, we're going to be discussing the very, yet again, the very serious topic of homelessness in this country and the number of people that are now living in emergency accommodation. And when you bore down through the figures, what's really worrying is the number of homeless children has increased month on month. The figures we are looking at and that are getting a lot of media attention are the figures for the month of August. And it showed that an extra 70 children found themselves being declared homeless during the month of August. And then the national figure, it's gone over 10,000 people are now living in emergency accommodation. And this is the seventh consecutive month that the overall number remains above 10,000. So it's like 
well, the government are trying to do their best and they're trying to do everything that is possible to try to get people out of homelessness, to try to provide housing uh, for them. And there's so many charities involved and so many wonderful organisations working to help people get out of homelessness. It's like we're not making any dent if for seven consecutive months we have over 10,000 people homeless. It's just a shocking, shocking figure. And then I was reading this morning in the Irish Times that 15 babies were born to homeless mothers in emergency accommodation last year. And that's, I don't think I've ever seen that figure before. I mean, there will all, there was always been babies born to homeless mothers, but 15 little babies. What You just kind of think, what kind of a start in life are those children having? And, it, you know, it isn't in, in any way the fault of the the mums and the dads but you're just thinking you know the excitement of a newborn baby being born and they in hospital with all of the other mums and you know the planning that goes on for bringing a newborn baby home and the excitement and everybody you know calling around to the house to see the newborn baby and for those 15 little babies last year they went back to a local B&B or to a local hotel room and they might have gone back to a hotel room where they maybe only stayed for the first couple of nights because that hotel was overbooked and then they had to move on somewhere else and it just it saddened me it really really saddened me to think of those 15 and there's many many more of them but they were just the the numbers for last year not the greatest start in life so uh, we'll discuss homelessness on the programme again today and I say again because it's how many years now have have we been talking about a homeless situation and the number of people living in emergency accommodation and you know it's you know, while I focused and mentioned there on the babies, those little babies will grow up to be children and will have to start school and going into primary school and going into secondary school. And the effect that it must have on children to be going to school, going back to school, end of the summer where you're going and you're meeting up with all your friends and children are talking about what they did over the summer. And for children that were living in hotels and emergency accommodation, they wouldn't have got up to much over the summer holidays. And there's an embarrassment uh, factor for particularly the teenagers. They don't want to tell their friends that they're living in emergency accommodation. And they can't have a normal childhood or those teenage years when you know you hang out in the girls. We all did it as teenagers. You hung out in friends' bedrooms and, you know, Back in my day, we played records and stuff. But, you know, teenagers hanging out together are play dates for children. You can't have a play date if you're living in a hotel and you certainly can't have your teenage friends around if you're all in the one room with mum and dad and there might be a younger sibling as well. So they're missing out on so much. Uh, 1850 103 another sector that's really getting hit when it comes from a financial point of view is the disability sector and obviously we're on the countdown now to the budget. We're going to have a budget next week and all of the various different organisations and sectors are coming forward trying to put forward their case as to why they need money when the government and the Minister for Finance and all the various departments are deciding how the money will be spent next year and the disability sector are really trying to have their voice heard because they are in what they've been describing as an ongoing financial uh, crisis. We are hoping to do our bit to save Glownthorn's Village Green. It seemingly is up for auction and is going to be auctioned on Thursday of this week and we only 
discovered in the last couple of days that the village green was up for sale and I don't think I have ever ran or got involved in a campaign where we were looking for funds and doing a you know asking people to donate to save a village green so anything we can do to help out so we'll speak with one of the local residents because I'm really interested in getting the background on this and to see could this affect has it happened in other areas do you you live in an area where you had to all band together to buy the green area that was maybe in the centre of your village and this by all accounts is a village green that is used it's not just a sort of a piece of grass that nobody has ever used and suddenly goes up for sale and everybody's interested in it this is this is actually a green that the local people use so we're keeping our fingers crossed for the good people of Glanthorn and hope that they can hold on to their village green we're also going to speak with the community air ambulance they are now live for the last two months. I mean, we waited and waited and waited for the air ambulance to finally become airborne. And then at the end of July, it went live. So for the month of August, the month of September, it has been about its work and doing amazing work. I mean, I I couldn't believe when I realised in the first two months, it has done a hundred missions so far. So it's, we've always said there was a need for an air ambulance but in the first two months to have already completed 100 missions bearing in mind that it was projected and expected that the air ambulance the community air ambulance would do 50 or sorry would do 500 missions over the year and if in two months it's already done 100 so it, it really is proving to be very, very successful. But of course, it is a community air ambulance, which means it has to be funded by the community. So we'll talk a little bit about that on the programme uh, today. And it's Tuesday, so Joe Heffernan will join us. And today we are going to do a stress test. We tried to do this about once a year and I can't believe that it is a year ago since we last did it. And this is an opportunity for all of us to reflect on our own lives. We know how dangerous stress can be. We all need to take time out to look at our stress levels. What can we do to reduce our stress levels? And by doing a stress test, it really does put a focus on what are the stressful areas of your life and what can we do uh, to help ourselves and each other. I say congratulations to all of the various Tidy Towns groups across Cork City and uh, County. Uh, Many of them, of course, would have been at the uh, announcement of the overall winners awards which were announced uh, yesterday and Clash Lock in County Monaghan that's the town that has been named the tidiest town for 2019 and the reason the Clash Lock in County Monaghan may be well known to some it was the village that hosted the wedding of Paul McCartney and Heather Mills would you believe that was back in 2002 that's nearly 20 years ago. <laughs> I was surprised when I realised how long ago that particular wedding was, but it definitely put at the time uh, Glashlock in County Monaghan and it put them very much on the the map. It's their second time to win the, have a big win in the Tidy Towns competition. They had a, their first win in 1978. Now they picked up two awards yesterday because they got the t- Best Tidy Town but they also got the Tidiest Village Award so they certainly can be a very very proud bunch and looking at them on the TV last night they seemed very very excited the village borders the counties of Monaghan uh, Armagh and uh, Tyrone the all other big award winners yesterday Black Rock in County Louth that got the sm- tidiest small town Westport in County Mayo they were the tidiest large town they've won that award before for sure Ennis in County Clare they always do well they were declared the tidiest 
large urban centre. So while Cork weren't in any of the top winners, various categories, various places have done extremely well. And we I think this was in the examiner today, I have a photocopy of it where they go down, down through all of the various areas and list out all of the winners in the various different categories. So just let me give a shout out to some, you know, each and every one. I mean, I've got such great respect and admiration for Tidy Towns volunteers and the work that they do. But Cooligown, they were the top category winners in category A for North Cork. Well done to Castletown Roach. They always do so well. Mill Street coming out top in category C. While in Cork South, Kilbritton again, a village that always does well in tidy towns. In Shannon, they've the winners in category B and uh, Cloyne in category C. McCroom and Kinsale also doing particularly well as did Cove and then in West Cork Rathbarry Lislevan and Iries all doing well as indeed Roscarbury Ballydehob and uh, Timmeleague so congratulations and of course Clonakilty up there uh, as as well as Bantry and Skibbereen so congratulations and well done as I say I don't want to let the moment go without acknowledging the great work of the Tidy Towns uh, groups and it was also good to hear uh, Minister Michael Ring who is the Minister for Rural and Community Development with responsibility for Tidy Towns when he was handing out the awards yesterday he made the announcement of a 1.4 million euro plan to support the work of the Tidy Towns committees because all of those Tidy Towns groups are volunteers and in many cases they have to go out and do fundraising as well in order to buy you know if it's equipment that they need or if they want to do planting or whatever and I think the very fact that they go out and volunteer and give up their time for free then it shouldn't be costing them anything they should have all of the necessary items that they need you know for the litter picking the plastic bags the gloves the high-vis vests if they want to plant an area then give them the, all of the equipment that they need give them the money to buy the plants uh, that they need I don't think it's, it's, it's awful the Tidy Towns groups have to fundraise at the same time they're doing enough in physically going out and doing the cleaning work so that 1.4 million hopefully you know it'll hopefully go some way towards helping out all of the various towns. There's 917, 918 communities had entered into the tidy towns so that money, I don't know how it gets divided between them all but hopefully everybody will get their little bit. So well done and take a bow, everyone involved in tidy towns. 1850 John Paul takes your calls, text or WhatsApp 0862 103103. As we've been hearing on our news bulletins, the number of people without a home in Ireland continues to rise, with the latest government figures showing 10,338 people needed emergency accommodation, with Cork having the second highest homeless figures. Joining me from Cork, Simon, is Paul Sheehan. Good morning to you, Paul. Good morning, Patricia. Now, Paul, we, we're looking at the figures for uh, August. Yeah. And breaking it down locally for Cork and, and the southwest region, 583 adults. Are you seeing any sense of hope for these people? Unfortunately, very little. Um, it's very frustrating and dismaying to see records being broken month after month. But I think it's even more frustrating and dismaying when you think that we're three years on now from the launch of Rebuilding Ireland, which is the government's response to the housing and homeless crisis. We all knew it was going to take some time. Uh, It's a comprehensive plan, but, you know, we 
did have some concerns around it. But here we are three years later, and the number of people accessing emergency accommodation here in the southwest has increased threefold since the launch of that report. Threefold, up 200%. Uh, and if there's any indicator that that plan isn't working, that's got to be the main one. So is the government simply not building enough social houses fast enough? That's one of the key factors. Uh, There is a very ambitious social housing build programme within Rebuilding Ireland, but we always said the targets weren't high enough. And it's not diverse enough. There isn't the diversity of housing in there to cater for everybody's needs. There was an over-reliance on the private uh, rented sector, which we pointed out at the time, and this is not a case of told you so. And now the private rented sector is struggling to cope. I mean, you've even got towns like McCroom that are now becoming rent pressure zones. Uh, Clearly, our housing system is broken. And the government have been approaching this in a kind of a management point of view. We're going to manage the housing and homeless crisis. That's the wrong language in our view. We should be talking about solving the housing and homeless crisis. And we think it is solvable. What would you do If, if you could now get access to the government and they would say, "Okay, Paul, you solved the problem. What, what are the top things you do? Uh, I think first and foremost, we would look at a cost rental model of housing. Uh, that is basically where the state uh, would build housing at the scale required or ask ho- approved housing bodies to build some of it on their behalf and then rent that housing at a cost. In other words, the rent would cover the cost of the house or the apartment and any maintenance that may be associated with it and that it would be accessible to everybody, that everybody would have access to that cost rental model. Uh, and that would inject much needed housing into the market and it would give fair access to everybody. We've always said housing is a basic human need and it's now beyond the reach of far too many people a basic human need beyond the reach of far too many people here in the 21st century that's a ridiculous position to be in the government is depending on the market to solve the housing and homeless crisis the market is never going to solve it and to be frank we think the point has come uh, where housing should be a basic human right enshrined in our constitution yeah, and then when you, when you dig down through the figures, sadly, more and more children are ending up in emergency accommodation. I, I mentioned in advance of you coming on, I read it in the Irish Times today, you know, 15 babies were born to homeless mothers yeah. in emergency accommodation last year. I was just making the point, what kind of a start yeah. would those children have? And for the older children, I mean, the, what effect is that having? On, on children, Paul? I mean, you know, over the last two years, three years, we've learned a lot more about the negative impact in adult years of children who have experienced trauma in their childhoods. Uh, and, you know, that traumatic experience could range from anything from having one or two parents who may have problem alcohol use or be chronic alcoholics right up to the other end of the spectrum which is you know into physical and sexual abuse and everything in between and you know any any child that has experienced three or four traumatic experiences in their childhood that has a negative impact more often than not in their adult years and you know the experience of homelessness is a traumatic experience there's no question about it not only is it a traumatic experience for the child but it puts enormous pressure on the family and quite often you see the family breaking apart because they can't survive in a tiny bedroom in a B&B or a hotel room uh, being cooped up for such a long time uh, and quite often they're split up uh, and you know we're absolutely convinced that 
um, many of the children that are stuck in emergency accommodation now will be knocking on our door in in their adult years. Oh my God, because you know, and and we've heard it from children trapped in, in emergency accommodation. I mean, their education has been affected. And it's not just their education, but it's their sense of self. You know, you hear about children not letting their friends in school yeah. know that they're living in a in a B and B room or in a hotel room. They're embarrassed. Uh, exactly. Yeah, and that that takes from them, and you know that's going to have an impact on them in later years. I mean, you know, simple things like being able to do their homework in a very cramped environment, but also you know basic day-to-day stuff like being able to cook a decent meal, being able to sit down around the family table and have the normal conversations we all do. How was your day? What was good? What was bad? I mean, those things don't happen for those families. Um, I mean, they're living from hand to mouth and they're living from day to day and they can't plan for the future. They just can't plan for the future because they have no idea what the future holds. I mean, it's a ridiculous situation to be in. And last month, your organisation, Simon, showed that people living in emergency shelters, they're staying for longer periods of time. Yeah, and you know, it's like the whole idea of an emergency shelter is that people would stay there for a few days, not a few years, as in many cases, but a few days until, you know, their housing needs can be uh, assessed and addressed. But we're finding more and more people remaining stuck in emergency shelters for months and in many cases years on end. I mean, we have people in our emergency shelter who have been there for five and six years plus. Wow. Wow. I mean, and, and that in itself has a detrimental impact on people's mental well-being, but also on their physical health. Um, you know, words like institutionalization get get thrown out, but basically people become more and more dependent on the services that are supposed to be there for the short term. Do you think you're heading for a very challenging winter? Well, you know, if if the government doesn't seize the opportunity in the upcoming budget to do something really serious about solving this crisis, I think there's no question that we're going to see uh, the number of people accessing emergency accommodation over the winter periods increase. It's certainly going to top the 900 mark. Um, it's not that far away from it now, 892 men, women and children. Um, and everybody is talking about dare I mention it, Brexit, and nobody Mm. has any idea of the impact of that. The people who are going to suffer most are those who are at their most vulnerable. But yet the government will say we have to be cautious because of Brexit. And there's always an excuse, Patricia. You know, there is always something. This is solvable. Um, You know, the government say their housing policy is working or is, quote, coming good. We don't see any evidence of that. There's no sign of that. If it's coming good, you wouldn't have the numbers of people accessing emergency accommodation increase threefold in as many years. Um, And everybody's talking about the potential uh, economic uh, crisis that's coming down the road, be it in 2020 or 2021. Who are the people who are going to be impacted most by that? It's the people who are struggling to keep a roof over their head right now. Okay, we leave it there, uh, Paul. Listen, thank you for that. And uh, continue good luck with the great work of uh, Simon. But thanks for joining us. Thanks for your time, Uh, Patricia. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, Paul Sheehan uh, joining us from the Cork uh, Simon community. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862-103-103. C103 Anthems.
mornings from 9 and evenings at 7. Cork's Greatest Hits. C103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. Now, Fianna Fáil's spokesperson on disability, Margaret Murphy O'Mahony, has called on the government to ensure that warnings of a funding crisis in essential disability services are taken on board. Deputy Margaret Murphy O'Mahony uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Margaret. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, welcome back. Well, thank you very much, and you're very welcome to the programme. Now, you recently attended a meeting with the COPE Foundation, but I'm assuming you could have attended a meeting with any of the various groups that work with the disabled, be it uh, CoAction, be it um, Enable Ireland, St. Joseph's Foundation, at any of those groups. And I assume the message would have been the same from each and every one of them, that there is a crisis in the disability sector. Yes, that's correct, Patricia. I suppose every organisation, um, they all have common concerns. And at the start, Patricia, um, if I could just mention the cruel cut that the government went ahead with, with the rehabilitative training allowance. Now, I and my colleagues fought hard um, to make sure that this cut wouldn't come in. But unfortunately, Minister McGrath and the government went ahead with it. So this is uh, the funding that students receive, um, say, in the likes of the National Learning Network in Bantry, just would be probably the closest example. So they receive 3180. Yeah, it's 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 a miserly sum of money, I have to Absolutely. say. I know it's on top of their disability uh, allowance, but I mean, it's a very small amount of money. Absolutely. And what's I suppose, more unfair, Patricia, is that it's just for new entrants. So you might have John getting nothing because he's just started and Mary getting the allowance because she's in her second, third, fourth year, you know. So it is very unfair. But the only thing is we, we've been, well, the, the industry or the sector has been promised that the money is going to be ring-fenced for day services. That's correct. And the first day we came back, which is this day, two weeks ago, I brought it up with Minister McGrath under a topical issue. Yeah. Having during the summer, asked him in writing to line out where exactly this funding is going. So again, it was just the general day services. But that's just not specific enough. And why rob Peter to pay Paul? Why fix something that isn't broken? It's only about three million, wasn't it? It wasn't a huge sum of money. There wasn't a, it wasn't just a, a small lot. bit more yeah. than that. Yeah. So it's 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 really really unfair. And I met with uh, the students from the National Learning Network in Bantry during the summer. And uh, now these are people who are receiving it and who will continue to. But they highlighted to me how much it means to them, you know, and how much this course means to them. It helps them with their confidence, their self-esteem. And they spoke very articulately about the new entrants coming in, not receiving it, which I thought was very nice of them. And I also heard a story last week of a centre in Dublin where the lads from the centre decided to go to the pictures. But one of the new entrants, because she wasn't getting the 3180, actually couldn't afford to go and the others clubbed together, which oh, I thought bless. was lovely. Yeah, bless. yeah, yeah. So no, did so. you find out where the money's? It? No. No. It's just a daycare services, but could not That's be That's too specific. general. Yeah, despite the fact that I had been asking, as I say, all summer, he knew that I was going to ask in, in the doyle. But, um, you know, he just said it's not a cut as such, but it is really because... This is working, so it, it should continue 
to okay. be given to people. Okay, this this meeting that you attended with the, with the Cope Foundation, what 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 sense did you get from them? Well, I could see that you know that they were really desperate. They had a lot of concerns and. After the meeting, and I suppose I, I realised it anyway, Patricia, that there is an unparalleled crisis in the disability sector with many people with disabilities and indeed their families. We must remember that there is always a family involved and they're all experiencing unmet needs. It is really obvious that steps must be taken to meet the needs of the people with the disabilities and and their families. And disability services are often forgotten about with all the demands on the healthcare system. And indeed, other departments, we must remember that disability, even though officially under the health umbrella, and it's something that I was considering suggesting is take it out of that, but I suppose that's a discussion for another day. But we must understand that it comes under education, it comes under transport, jobs, the Department of Children. So disability comes right across nearly all of the 15 government departments and it can often be forgotten about. So I think really that, you know, everything that goes through those departments should be disability proofed. And, and, is, it, and is, it also, is it also the case because the disabled uh, as a community don't shout the loudest, they don't protest publicly, are they often the forgotten sector? Yes, I think because people with a disability and indeed their families have so much else going on. I mean, I've spoken to parents of young children with disabilities and they're just distraught. They, you know, it takes them all their time to get up and face the day. Not, you know, they have enough going on without having to shout and having to, you know, fight for everything. And one of them described it to me that it's like planning to go to France on holidays. You have the language, you have your sightseeing book and then you land in Germany so no you know you're not ready for this and that continues on all through the years you know you never actually catch up with I suppose your dreams or what you had planned and they they are weary Patricia and they really you know and we're also storing up problems for the future Margaret by not allowing children with a disability access to intervention and early intervention yes I mean everybody agrees of the importance of early intervention. And yet, when there is an opportunity, the government don't seem to give it. Like, we still have waiting lists for assessments of need. We still have waiting lists for the therapies that come from the recommendations of the assessment of need. And also, school places, Patricia, uh, for people with a disability is a huge concern. And Cork and South Dublin are actually the biggest red flag areas so that, that is concerning. Why, why do you believe, because there are grants available to schools, why are so many schools slow to open up special units? I don't know if it's fear of the unknown or just the hassle or, you know, it, it, it is hard to figure out why. And I suppose it just must be pointed out that an education um, for all children is a constitutional right. It's mm. not a, a desire of their parents, of themselves. So it is you know, very much their right and a legal right and a constitutional right. And, you know, places should be made available, but also they should be back up. The schools should receive support to ensure that every child, whether they have a disability or not, can reach his or her full potential. And while we're worrying about the younger children at the other end of the scale, there is another big problem with ageing carers looking after adult uh, children. I mean, that has to be addressed. 
Absolutely. And that's another topic that I spoke with the co-foundation about. And indeed, right across the disability sector, you have parents who are now ageing and they're really, really worried and concerned what will happen their child um, when they die. And it could happen through ill health that they wouldn't be able to look after them. So there really needs to be funding set aside for residential care and also for respite because I think even if the parents aren't ageing, respite is so important. It's just like that they can charge up their own batteries and continue on. And it is a cost-saving exercise really because these people are saving the state huge money in the long term and you know they, they should be looked after yeah so and they just they just need that little bit of backup little bit of support to help it. them to continue to do the job for longer yeah. yeah and it's not just a monetary thing i think it's just you know that an acknowledgement of the trojan work that they face day in, day out. Okay. All right, we'll we leave it there, uh, Margaret. No doubt it is thank an issue we will return to, but in the meantime, thank you for that and thanks for joining thank us. You. Good morning to you. That is uh, West Cork Doll Deputy Margaret Murphy O'Mahony. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. To text in St. Patricia, is the fuel allowance being paid out this week? Please, could you let us know? Yes, it is. It's from yesterday, Monday, the 30th of September. That's the kicking off the fuel allowance for 2019-2020. So if you're entitled to the fuel allowance, you'll get your first payment along with your primary payment on your appropriate payment day. Whatever day you get paid your primary payment you will receive your fuel allowance if you are entitled to it and by the way because I think wasn't it last year was the first year where there was they introduced a system whereby you could get your fuel allowance in two lump sum payments it's a little over 300 uh, euro and you get it in two lump sum payments the idea being that people might want like to bulk buy their fuel you know, you can get it, you get better, certainly get better bargains by bulk uh, buying it. If you opted for lump, two lump sum payments last year for the 2018-2019 fuel season, then you'll automatically be paid it again in two lump sums. And I've checked the two lump sums are paid in October and in January. Uh, that's just for anyone who opted for the lump sum uh, last year. Uh, but for everybody else, yeah, fuel announce first payment for this season is this week. 1850 I want to go to the phone lines where Humphrey Deegan uh, joins me from Clonakilty. Good morning to you, Humphrey. Morning, Patricia. Uh, I'm saddened to, when I saw this pop up on my screen this morning. There has been works carried out in Clonakilty, flood relief work, and part of the work was to ensure that the ring road in Clon wouldn't flood anymore. Uh, they say back in Clarkland, correct then, right? And here we are again. Millions spent, the, the road blocked, I suppose, for 12 months, maybe it was a bit more, and inconvenience. And it was on the show here, morning, noon, and night, and people talking about. The inconvenience of having the road uh, blocked, and we were assured that the flooding of the ring road would be a thing of the past. And, and sure, sure enough, there it was last night. Peter Welch was heading off home from Dunmanway and would turn to go down the ring road, and unless he had a, a good little uh, cruiser with him, so he had to drive up around and up into Darren and down around. But like that's not a major inconvenience. But the major inconvenience is that millions of euros were spent to do a job, and it doesn't seem to be working. And I just I suppose I have to ask the awkward and the kind of stupid question, why? Okay, well, is it to do with high tide? <coughs> it's to do with high tide, but they raised the road substantially there. Yeah, so because they they, they were to make allowances for high tide. And there's walls built and there's 
piles driven and uh, one-way valves installed. So where did the water come from? Well, so you're, you're saying all from. this money has been spent and it just hasn't worked? Steve and that. How did it get over the walls? It didn't come over the top of the walls. It must have either come up the roads or it either came in through the system. And I'm just asking the awkward kind of question, like, what's happening here, Liz? I thought we had this fixed. Yeah, and I know since you contacted us this morning, we've had other calls <coughs> in from people in the Clannacilty area as well, uh, you know, scratching their heads saying, how the hell could this uh, have, have happened? Uh, was it's, was there a lot of rain in Clann yesterday? Oh, there was a lot of rain, but this was not rainwater. This was tidal flooding. Okay. And the OPW, Matt McDonald, they all assured us that this would deal with the issue. And at the time, I disagreed with him. And it gives me great pleasure to tell him I told you so. And this is an absolute desperate situation where typical of this country, millions of euros have been spent and it all looks lovely on paper. And here we are now. Thanks very much, Les. Best of luck. So there better be a simple explanation for this, that there was a, okay. a, a one-way valve open or something. And um, Well, that's what we're hoping. We're hoping that some, <coughs> something has happened. Some Somebody... I'm not going to point the finger oh, no, at any that, one person. That, but that, that the valve uh, just malfunctioned or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, like, that's, that's, that's what you would like to think. This is the first test of this system. So early in the winter season. Well, we have failed miserably. Yeah. And well, and we were already, you know, we spent yesterday and again, I touched it this morning. I mean, this Hurricane Lorenzo and it does look like West, if, if it stays on track, it's West Cork is going to get a bashing from it. You know, and you, and, of it, you? yeah, and you, you know, you would like to think, well, the flood relief work is complete. Clannacilty is going to be OK. But that doesn't, when you look at what, what, what you're saying happened yesterday, you're kind of thinking, well, <coughs> are we I going to be discussing this on Thursday? The problem with all of these systems, as long as the system does what it's supposed to do and all the values worked and everything everything was fine so when it doesn't then you have created this concrete basin which the water then will sit inside Mm. and if everything went wrong and a perfect storm and which these things do Clannacilty will finish up with like the nicest swimming pool ever oh god Oh, don't, don't, don't even want to think about that. I really don't even want to think about that. Okay, uh, we, we obviously, from as soon as we started receiving calls on this morning, have been in contact with Cork County Council. We haven't had an answer back from them yet, but we await their response and hopefully uh, like, we'll have Cork something. The Council have to come out and make a statement on this because they, between themselves and the OPW, they are in charge of this, this, this system and ultimately it'll be Cork County Council who are going to have to um, maintain and monitor this and this and like all the council staff were out last night on alert in case there was going to be flooding and there they had sandbags and everything ready. But like I thought we were finished with this racket. Mm. So, and, did, so um, did a lot of other people. And like the, the the staff work tirelessly, but um the whole engineering of this thing I, I have grave concerns for. But um I I was just asking the awkward ignorant question like how come that we have water on the ring road after millions being spent on it? Okay, hopefully we'll have something back from Cork County Council for the close of the programme. And hopefully, thank you for alerting us. Don't hold us your to breath it. for that position. Okay. Don't be holding your breath for that. Thank you for that. Have a nice morning. Thanks for talking to us. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. As I say, depressing news uh, to hear that that ring road in Clan after all the work that and it is millions. It was millions of pounds uh, was spent. Hopefully. 
fingers crossed there is a simple explanation for it. 1850 let me go to some of your comments in. We were discussing homelessness in the first hour of the programme. John O'Donovan of the City was on to say would this state stop inviting people over to this country? Now when I saw that comment first I thought he was talking about uh, refugees or immigrants but John isn't. He's talking about the when we bring famous people over and when we bring VIPs over the likes of when the Queen came to visit and Donald Trump in particular is the one that John is highlighting and he's making the point that on the the last Trump visit we know there was a huge sum of money that had to be spent out on the Garda budget for the visit and John says if we stop inviting the likes of dignitaries to this country where then the knock-on effect is that the Garda all have to do overtime in order to protect these people when they're on our shores that would save money and that money then could be used to build homes and John is wondering just on the Donald Trump last visit how many homes could have been built just out of the money that was spent on the security for Donald Trump. 1850-333-103. Helen in Ballinadee says, Patricia, some time ago uh, you may, you spoke on the programme, was featured on the programme and there was the number of ministers and TDs who had properties for rent, who were in themselves landlords and landladies. Some of them had five, six and more houses rented out. Why do I think that this is a reason for nothing happening to properly address the housing crisis? Fina Gale, Helen Fields are the party for the wealthy since its inception and Helen believes that they don't care about the homeless. While former Sinn Féin councillor Frick Murphy says Patricia hi listening to you discussing housing and homelessness on the programme today how long have we known about this how long have we been discussing it yet we vote Fine Gael Fianna Fáil back into power time and time again you get what you vote for and that's from former Sinn Féin councillor Frick uh, Murphy 1850 we're going to be discussing the village green and a village green going under the hammer at auction this Thursday that has me absolutely baffled. Somebody says, how can a village green be purchased by anyone? What are they going to do? Do they plan to develop on it? Do they plan to build on it? Surely the objections that would be put in if somebody bought the village green and then decided, oh, I'm going to build a nice two-storey house on it. Surely the objections would render that sale useless as nobody would get planning permission, surely, to build. Uh, In my opinion, it must be just, it should just be a token sale for insurance purposes to give the community a chance to purchase it and they should be able to do it at a nominal price. Mm. We'll find out a little bit more about it from what I can can hear and what I've seen so far, the information I've gathered from this particular case that isn't the case. The, The vendor selling it wants to get as much money as possible for this parcel of land. So you would like to think that there would just be a nominal fee and a nominal sum handed over and then the rights to the village green given to the people that live there. But that doesn't seem to be the case. Uh, thank you for your text to say we will be looking at that issue in a couple of minutes on the programme. And I just want to refer to yesterday's programme when we spoke about childcare and we spoke about childcare costs in this country and how for many families, if they have a child in creche and for some 
families, a lot of families, they might have two children in the creche and the financial strain that has been put on working parents. And I mentioned the problem was for a lot of these working parents, they had to work. It wasn't a choice issue. Many of them were paying very large mortgages and they felt they had no no other choice when they had their family they needed to continue working in order to bring the two incomes into the house. Now can I also say there are some parents out there who want to work. It's not always financial is the reason there are some people like the idea of working outside of the uh, of the home but there are also a cohort of people who would dearly love to be remaining at home but for financially they can't they have to go out to, uh, to work. So we've ended up in a situation where we have families in this country because childcare has become so expensive. We have families in this country who are paying as much, if not more, than they're paying on their mortgage. It's like a double mortgage every month just in order to have their child or children looked after in the creche. And, you know, we were looking at the Scandinavian model yesterday. I don't think we're ever going to see a Scandinavian model introduced in this country, which is very affordable childcare, but that would cost a fortune. But we're coming off such a low base of investment in childcare in this country. I mean, the current government and Catherine Sapone in particular has done her very best to invest. I think, was it 117% of an increase has gone in investment but coming off such a low base it's going to take many many years to bring the investment that's needed in childcare to allow it to be affordable for working parents well Tim says Patricia can I go back to the childcare and my cure for the childcare issue mum or dad staying at home it breaks my heart to think how many families are losing out due to the material rat race both emotionally and financially the big winners according to Tim are the ladies in their 50s who stayed at home to rear their own families and now have spare time on their hands that their own families are raised and these are proving to be excellent childminders children are dropped off and collected and it's all done cash in hand more luck to them as some feel they lost out by staying at home all those years ago to raise their own family families the poor children though must be very confused being in a very relaxed household with a child minder who it's a very pleasant atmosphere to be in all day or after school and then they go home into what is often a tense pressure cooker environment for the working parents who were at home and then trying to do everything that needs to be done at home and also feeling guilty because they weren't with the children all day and that can lead to uh, what Tim describes as a tense pressure cooker uh, environment and you can imagine the stress levels in a house like that. 1850 and on stress levels a reminder to you that we'll be asking you to get involved in a stress test. There'll be various questions you know, will be ticking yes and no to it and adding up how many yeses and nos that you had and try to work out just how stressed you are in your life and we'll be doing that after half past twelve today. C103 Jobs Plaster wanted for site and private work. It's around the Carrigal Line area. Now it's inside and outside work. A healthcare assistant is required for the Padre Pio house that's in Churchtown, while call centre reps are required with experience, please, in call centre uh, environment. Languages would be an advantage. And a person is wanted for telemarketing that's in the North Cork area. Previous sales experience is central. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. C103 brings you Farm Talk with John O'Connor. Saturdays at 10am and Wednesdays at 10pm.
Can you outline some of the main Chagask recommendations for the safe application of pesticides? It says on the label what distance to keep away from public sources of water. Turn on Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Agribusiness for quality feed, expert service and support you can trust. Only on C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Now, hand on heart, I really think this is the uh, first, certainly for this programme, uh, to hear that local people are gathering together to raise funds to purchase their village green in order to keep it for the benefit of their own community. To discuss the Save Glanthorn Village Green, I'm joined by Richard Cuddy, a local resident there. Good morning to you, Richard. Good morning, Patricia. Um, now, I really need to get the background uh, on this. How does a village green end up being put up for sale? Well, the village green um, is obviously in the in the centre of the village, and if you know, Glanton Village is quite unique in that it was, I suppose, it was separated um, from the uh, due to the building of the the railway track back in the eighteen hundreds, and became like a little bit of a pocket of land, and the island or the the village was separated, and in that was a village green, and that village green space was owned by um, CIE, and then it was sold to a, a local shopkeeper back in the 60s and he wanted to uh, park some trucks there or whatever and use the, the ground. So that's how it came to be in private hands. So it was with the CIE and then it became um, privately owned. But it was always pretty much always being used by the villagers and the locals for various activities. So, I mean, in recent times we've been using it uh, for our St. Patrick's Day Parade, um, local kids play around in there um, and if we have any activities in our community centre which was the old school um, that takes place over there if needs be you know, for kids parties and we have a local um, my wife teaches yoga there and she brings the, on a nice sunny day she brings the yoga Yeah I saw I saw some pictures up on Facebook and, yeah. and it looked lovely I mean yeah. I just thought what a gorgeous setting for a yoga class Yeah it's beautiful yeah, so, yeah. It's, so it is actively and is it known locally as the green? Well yes it's the green yeah. it's, it's, the, it's the green patch of grass in in the village and if you if you're ever down there it's kind of it, it's it's quite hard to describe but it's the road you come off the main road you cross over the railway bridge and then it goes in a, a large semicircle around and that encompasses the green and then we have a car park in front of it so it's surrounded on pretty much all the way around by um the road and then there's a car parking space and then the, there's the the village uh, the green and when the shopkeeper purchased it back in the 1960s did he park what, was it used for parking I believe there was a there was a bit of a shed put up there um, and maybe it was taken down and it's been very used various uses but I mean even from that day on he may have used it I mean I wasn't around, around then but okay. uh, uh, the local school which was in the which is now the community centre which was the, the, the old schoolhouse put up free fabs there up until the about the early 80s when they moved to a new school so it was used by the school children uh, where I went to school as well and um, you know once the school left then it was maintained it's been maintained pretty much from then by the um, the local tidy towns group uh, cut the grass and they keep the, the weeds down and you know maintain the wall all that kind of stuff so it's been looked after by the locals and the residents um, for a long time yes How and how then did you discover that it was up for sale? We saw a sign saying uh, for sale at auction, so we inquired about it, and it's, for, it's up for auction on the on uh, Thursday morning. So we um, we thought 
thought this is a bit odd and we looked into it and we decided as a community we had a public meeting and we said we'd try to purchase it for and on behalf of the community. Yeah. Um, so we approached the vendor independently and see if he would if they would be amenable to us purchasing it directly from them without the auction and uh, it took a while but eventually it came to pass that they said they would pursue with the auction and not a private sale. Because they want the best price. They want their what, sorry? They want the best price. They want to raise as much money as they can I from this business. I suppose so, yeah. I mean, it's a private sale, so that's the... Um, they, they're not living locally, obviously. The family was local, but they've all, they've, um, they're all living uh, abroad now, I understand. So, um, yeah, it's just a patch of ground in Ireland that they wish to, to, to sell, and it has no use for them, so they want to... But is this... Uh, I, I'm baffled by this, uh, Richard. If I was to purchase this patch of land, yeah. um, by the way, if I won the, the lotto tonight, I would purchase it and I would give it to the good people oh, of, of Glanton. <laughs> but, I mean, what? I can't build on it, surely. You can. Well, well, technically, it's, it's, it's zoned, at the minute, it's zoned for um, residential development. So, technically, you could, um, under the current rules, you could apply for planning permission and if the plan is so selfish, you could build on it. But surely uh, everyone in the village will just object. They might do, yeah. But we expect that, but I mean it's you, you don't know what, what could happen with um, with planning, etc. So I, I, I do understand that there was a planning application refused maybe 10 years ago on it. Okay. Um, but as it stands at the minute it's it's open for development. Um, it's a site in you know uh, a village. It, on paper it looks very good. Um, it's 0.2 of an acre um, but I mean, there's, there, there's, that's one side of it. But the other side of it is that that's, the community would like to keep it remain in its current use as a, as a village green. So that's where we're, we're we've we're trying to raise some funds to to um, to arm ourselves for the auction. That we've had commitments from various parties. You know, the local Fitzpatrick shop down the road in the village has um, given us a, a generous donation, and we've got donations from. You know, people in the locality, but I mean, the the, the GoFund meeting is what is uh, in action at the minute, and we're looking. Which is Save Glanton Village Green is the is the GoFundMe yeah, page. Yeah, in the, in the GoFundMe, yeah, and we're looking just to, to have some some uh, you know kind of a war chest to go to the auction, and you know that's not the only funds we're collecting. And there's about four and a half odd thousand collected. We have more funds that were given to us independently, and we have right. commitments from other people that said they help us out. So I mean, because uh, the, the, the did I read the guide price is twenty five thousand. Twenty five thousand is the is the asking market value. So oh, I mean, that's that's a lot of money for a little community to come up with. Like, and if you had twenty five thousand to spend, you know, I'm thinking that wonderful tidy towns group that you have that have been maintaining the green, they'd go a long way with twenty five thousand to spend Indeed. in the village. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's just you know we'd like to keep it if if possible to keep it within the. The ownership, well, not to keep it in the ownership, is to transfer the ownership into the community itself, and maybe the, uh, you know, the the people would then own it, and wouldn't it wouldn't be available for for sale to to developers, or wouldn't be transformed into housing or anything. You know, it, it's quite a historic village, and uh, it's it's unique in its aspect, and it's you know it hasn't really changed in a hundred odd years. I mean, the, the village is two hundred years old now this year, and um, if you go down there, it's Probably as it was, uh, you know, a hundred odd years ago. Yeah, yeah. And to 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 allow a planning thing going there would be, I think, detrimental to the, the character and the, the heritage of the village. And you know, it's, it's, it's there's some importance to keeping the these these things. 
as they were for historical reasons. And you have no way of knowing, Richard, is there much interest in the site? Um, I hate to even call it a site. Well, technically it's a site, yeah, but um, I believe there was some interest, but I mean, we, 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 we do know that there was lots of people in the village who would be kind of looking out their window if there was a house built there, um, inquired on it, and I don't know if they count as being interested. So, I mean, the auctioneer has said there is interest in it, but he, I, I, I don't know what the actual number is, but I mean... You never know an auction. They don't have to register any interest with the auction auctioneer. They can you can just turn up on the day and register and uh, start your bidding. So we don't know what we're facing into. On and can the, there be bids online that the person won't even be there? Uh, I don't know. Okay, I, I'm, I'm not sure. The, the so who's going on behalf of the, the good people of Glanthorne? I'll be going. Um, I'm the treasurer of the. Okay, so you you will you will be doing the bidding. Yeah, and I've got okay. a kind of mandate to go to a certain level when I was giving our, our plan okay. away but um, yeah we, we, we have some funds but I mean we're not, we don't have very deep pockets so I know I know I know that's that's why it's important to push yeah, the, yeah. the GoFundMe page uh, Save Glanthorn Village Green if anybody wants to yeah. uh, donate and you're saying that if if you don't need as much money you're planning on giving money or if yeah. you're not successful unfortunately Correct, yeah. so I mean it, this is, a, this is the, the, the GoFundMe and any funds we, we, we happen to collect offline etc um, are completely ring fenced for this only, unless you say we can keep it. But I mean, generally people were giving it to, towards the village yeah. fund. And if we're unsuccessful, then um, we we'll give you all your money back and move back to where we were. And if, if, if we if we if it goes if we, if we get it for a song, then we we'll, we we'll work out to give you know most of your money back you know, in the same proportion as you gave it. So it'll be it's kind of an equitable thing. And you you know there is some kind of ownership with it if you donate and. You know, you'd be part of saving it, and I, I think that we would look back if we don't act on it, and, and if we're not successful, I think we look back in time and really regret it if there ever there was a car park put in there or a house or an apartment or something like that. It was, I think, would be, you know, hindsight we would we'd be very sad to look back and say, you know, what we should have saved that, and you know, so. Now and there's future generations will look back and say, will, well yeah. done, well, yeah, well so. done. And, and conversely, they, our children will say, well, why didn't you? What time is the auction on Thursday? I think it's at uh, around eleven o'clock. Oh, eleven. Okay, we'll be on air. We'll 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 check in with you, uh, Richard. And put up uh, on Facebook if we're successful. Yeah, uh, and get out get out there and fight like Billy. Oh, you're you're doing you're doing terrific, and well done for highlighting it. Um, And we'll we'll keep in contact with you, Richard. Listen, thank you for that. Okay, thanks very much. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Bye bye, Richard uh, Cuddy, chairperson of that group. The, our chairperson treasurer he said wasn't it of the group Save Glanthorn Village Green if you have a few Bob that you'd like to throw in and donate into their GoFundMe page as they head to auction on Thursday morning to try to save their village green uh, somebody says two words read the village green says a texter squatters rights and another texter says my point about this village green story the amount of objections awaiting development of the green area surely surely will make any potential buyer run a mile. So a nominal sum would be or could be a token price only. But they went to the vendor and the vendor says no to a nominal price. The vendor or vendors, might be a group of people involved, wanted to make, they see it as 0.2 of an acre, parcel of land in Ireland. They're overseas, remember. They see it as a parcel of land in Ireland and they're trying to make money out of it. And the other worry I would have and I accept your point and I did make that point to Richard about the amount of potential objections if somebody was to buy the property 
But if somebody buys this and is unaware that it's been used as the village green, because as Richard said on paper, it just looks like 0.2 of an acre in a lovely little village in Ireland. Well, if somebody's buying this online and is, you know, is viewing it overseas themselves and are unaware and they come in with, you know, a lot of money and start bidding against the local residents and they might realise what they're buying now. I, I, I don't know what would then happen, but uh, uh, only time will tell. Anyway, we'll keep a close eye on the story and we will check in again with Richard on the programme on Thursday. We'll keep an eye on their Facebook uh, page and we wish them the best of luck and hope they are successful in saving their village green. It's just two months ago that Ireland's first community funded air ambulance went live and it has already completed 100 missions which is way ahead of forecast targets. To talk about the success of the service and with details of a fundraising drive, I'm joined by John Murray who is Operations Manager and Pilot with the Irish Community Rapid Response. Uh, Good morning to you John. Morning Patricia. Uh, You're you're welcome to the programme. Now it was um, predicted that the Air Ambulance would do about 500 missions a year. Are you surprised to have already completed 100 in just two months? Uh, to be honest, in, in, in this game, nothing is surprising. Uh, it, 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 uh, it's gratifying. It proves a need for the service. Um, as I say, in, in two months of operations, we've approximately 100 uh, missions completed. Um, I think in the first 30 days or so, we had 56. We would expect that rate of... Uh, of um, missions to, uh, to to decline a little bit uh, as we approach the winter, with um, weather and and uh, daylight curtailments. I wouldn't be suitable for the helicopter to go up. It, it's not. We're, we we are a day uh, in, in in aviation parlance. We're a day VFO operation. Uh, we it, it, the, the difficulty at night time arises with trying to land on scene. Uh, we we wouldn't be able to see wires and. Uh, and that sort of thing, and there's there's a huge cost involved in um, in training and equipment for night operations, uh, and you know the, the 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 additional risk we would consider is not worth it. But uh, so it's a day it's a day operation uh, only at the moment. Uh, maybe in the future we may change that, but um, for now it's uh, for now it's day. And just John, day. remind uh, listeners how your tasks and and how you get the call and and what happens. We are a uh, we are tasked by the National Ambulance Service. Uh, the aircraft is flown generally with a crew of three, so there's obviously a pilot, and we have two National Ambulance Service clinical personnel on board, um, and they are seconded on a on a daily basis, if you like, from the land ambulance fleet. Um, tasked by the National Ambulance Service, and uh, so the, through the normal nine 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 one one two call service, and there are certain uh, certain key. Uh, phrases or indications that that would get their interest in in utilising our service. Uh, so, because we carry um, advanced paramedic, uh, but they're, they're enhanced advanced paramedics, uh, very capable guys. Uh, and they can they can deliver uh, fairly kind of uh, complex interventions, obviously. And you can get to the site of be it an accident or uh, somebody's house or whatever it is get the patient on board, and then to the nearest hospital? Absolutely. Well, the, the, we, we would say the primary purpose of a HEMS unit, Helicopter Emergency Medical Service uh, unit, is is the provision or, or getting the uh, clinical team to the scene in a very expeditious manner. 
that's what we do. And a secondary, uh, a secondary reason for our being, if you like, is transportation of a patient. So particularly in, in rural areas or isolated areas where there isn't a land vehicle available, uh, we have been transporting most of our patients. Um, so that's, that's kind of how the, how the system functions. Um, we have been to, so far, to many and varied uh, medical emergencies, so from anything from road traffic accidents, equestrian events, uh, uh, falls, industrial incidences, uh, clinic or, or medical, uh, medical uh, emergencies such as uh, cardiac events, strokes. So our, our remit is, is very, very varied. And let's be honest and call a spade a spade. You have saved lives and you will continue to save lives with this service. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. We don't save lives every day, but, uh, you know, a few times a week, possibly. Yeah. Uh, it just depends on the nature of the job we're sent to. It is a life-saving service. There's, there's absolutely no doubt about that. Uh, and I think the key to it is the name. It's, it's the Irish Community Rapid Response. So we provide a rapid response to medical emergencies for the community. Uh, and that is the uh, that, that, that is the name, if you like, is very indicative of, of, of what we actually do. Uh, it is the community's um, air ambulance. It is it is funded the funded entirely by uh, community donations. Uh, that's the, that's the aviation aspect. But obviously, the the clinical crew on board are National Ambulance Service personnel. Uh, they've been carefully chosen, and we work very well as a team on the aircraft. But as I say, the the uh, funding of the of the aviation aspect of the of the unit is uh, is with the community. Yeah, and that's that's where this two million. It's two million annually, isn't it, to run this service? It is. It's it's two million annually to run to run this this uh, one, one base, if you like. Now, one base uh, with our from our base in in North Cork in Rathcool, uh, we can put the population of a ten thousand square mile area. That's twenty five thousand square kilometres. With that population within uh, twenty minutes of of care. Uh, so, from that point of view, it's huge. Mm. The, the, the level of intervention that we can provide is. It's phenomenal, to be honest. And did I read, John, you've, you've managed to secure a backup helicopter? We have indeed. We've committed to providing the service uh, on a 365-day-a-year basis. So in order to do that, we've had to have a second helicopter implemented. And that was all agreed in the initial costings. Um, and that's, that's all, that, that all falls within the, the projected $2 million annual cost. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, again, in order to provide the service for, for, you know, for seven days a week, we need that, so... And you're launching a uh, a flight for life raffle. This is all part of your your fundraising drive. Indeed, uh, that's just one. That's just one aspect of the fundraising uh, flight for life uh, raffle. Uh, we, but we're looking for general community support. There's very many ways that that, that support can be given to us. Uh, the best thing to do is probably check into our our website www.icorr.ie, um, and we'll be uh, looking for support from the public. In, in in many and varied ways as we as we move forward. Yeah, I mean, the hope is, John, that none of us would ever need your services, but it's just comforting to know that it is there. Absolutely. And and, and again, one of the other key points about it is that uh, it is a service that is available to and applicable to everybody in the country. Uh, there's, there's uh, you never know the time, or, you know, or the day where some incident may, uh, may affect you and you may require some form of, of uh, medical intervention. Yeah, yeah. And I know it is going to be one of those, one of these services, John, that when a family has to use 
the air ambulance. Uh, it's only then they see the importance of it. And I know in the years ahead, a lot of families then will start fundraising by way of a thank you, you know, when a life has been saved. But it's these early few years making sure that the funds are in place to keep the service airborne that are so important. Absolutely. And, and it's, um, it, you know, it, it, it's not just the people uh, who have had to use the service that we're appealing to for funds. Uh, we're saying that, you know, as I said, the service is available to and applicable to everybody. Uh, you never know the, the, the day or the hour when you may well need our service. So we're, we're appealing to everybody to kind of get behind this community-led uh, project. Yeah, it is. It, it is uh, as fantastic as I said. It has already saved lives and it will save lives into the into the future. Is it, uh, from a pilot uh, point of view, John, is it is it very exciting work? Um, from a pilot point of view, I suppose it is. I've been doing it for quite a while, so uh, it, it, it's, it's not something that we get excited by. Uh, it is, uh, it's very rewarding. Uh, and from a flying point of view, I suppose, it's it's the pinnacle of helicopter flying. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it is it is exciting. It is uh, it is rewarding, I suppose. Um, but yeah, it, but it, it, the key to it from for me anyway is we can we can readily see the benefit that the service brings. But you never know from one day to the next where you're going to be, what no. kind of a call. I mean, I imagine the adrenaline rush of it as well. I mean, as you say, rewarding, I think is probably the best word that, that you've used rather than, than exciting. But you will never know from day to day. We, we don't. We don't. Uh, sorry, there's a factor going past. Sorry. Okay. Um, no, the, the jobs are many and varied. Uh, we never know from one day to the next uh, what we're going to, what we're going to, to go to. Uh, we are very well trained and and, uh, and, and acquainted if you like with various types of, of, of accidents and incidents so nothing kind of uh, nothing really phases us yeah. you know so um, yeah, and, and, and obviously you have huge respect for the paramedics absolutely, that you, absolutely. and likewise if I was asking them they have huge respect for you as the pilot in, you I know, might not say that though yeah <laughs> I'm sure they would John I'm sure they would listen you're, it's an incredible service long may it continue icrr.ie if people want to check out your uh, website that's it indeed and uh, as I say there's the community there ambulance we are reliant on the community to actually fund us so anything that people can uh, can give would be much appreciated Okay. Listen, uh, thank you for that, uh, John, and thanks for taking time out to talk to us. Thank you very much. Uh, Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, John Murray. Uh, Martin says, um, I'm hoping to arrange a Christmas market in Mallow for the air ambulance. I'm just waiting on permission uh, from Cork County Council to get the go-ahead, says Martin, because he wants to host the Christmas market in Mallow Castle. Oh! What a gorgeous venue that would be for a Christmas market and he hopes to do it for the air ambulance. Okay, John uh, Martin, keep in contact with us and let us know when you get permission that's up and running. We would be only too glad to help you out with any advertisement of the event for you so that we can let other people know that you're doing a fundraiser for the air ambulance. As I say, as I was saying to John, as the operations, the John Murray operations manager and, and the pilot, you, we would all like to think that we will never need the services of the air ambulance or that any of our family members will never need the services of the air ambulance but you just never know when the day or the hour will come so it's just comforting to know that it is there should God forbid any of us need it. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. 
Don't forget to do a Euro Millions ticket today because there's a jackpot tonight of 190 million euro. It is a staggering amount of money and it's it's capped at 190 million. It, it can't go any higher. The prize has been rolling on now for a number of weeks. There hasn't been a win. It won't go any higher than the 190. But if it's not won tonight it because it's capped jackpot, it will stay at the 190 million. The last big win for Ireland. We do well in these in the Euro Millions. Their last big one was, do you remember, I was surprised to hear this was back in February. I would thought it was a couple of months ago. Remember it was a family from the Knoll. They were a syndicate of, they were they brothers and sisters and I think some of their children were involved as well. They came across as the nicest, sweetest family, anything I read about them in the paper. Anyway, they were from the Knoll uh, outside of Dublin and they won 175 million euro. So, you know, it's quite possible. It's quite possible that we could have another Irish win. As I say, we seem to do well in the Euro Million. So you need to go out and get your tickets. And I was reading online during the news there at 12 on Corkbio.ie. They've taken a look at the luckiest shops in Cork where you might think about getting your ticket today. So if you're in and around any of these areas, the luckiest shop in Cork with nine wins is Hickey's the square in Skibbereen and they have given out in total 7.8 million has been won but they've had nine wins so they would be deemed one of the luckiest they haven't given they haven't had the most wins from a monetary point of view but they certainly had the most number of wins with nine wins they're followed by Super Value in Kinsale they've had 11 wins I think they probably topped the list or they don't even top the list they've given out 8.7 million euro McCarthy's News that's on Main Street in Middleton they've had six wins Gala and the PO um, the Post Office in Inishan and they've had a, they had a recent win as well didn't they they've had five wins Murphy Store Bridge Street Castletown Bear five wins Clifford's on Shandon Street in the city done stores in Bishopstown Super Value in Middleton of all also had five wins and there's a number then that have had four wins including Ticketron on Merchant's Key Super Value Main Street in Yall Max Newsagents Main Street in Charleville O'Reilly's Garages Watercourse Road in the city J.R. Porter in Wilton Crowley's Townsend Street in Skib they've had four wins as well Super Value in Toker Dunstores in Ballyvillan Katie's Bank Place in Mallow have had four wins and Eason's in Ballancolic in Cork have had three, along with Tesco in Wilton and the post office in Yall have had uh, three. And the Hills newsagent, that's in the Blackpool Shopping Centre, Maxall, um, Donnybrook in Douglas and Centra in Farnry all on three wins. All right, so they are the top 24 shops. I, looking down through that, I mean, I think I've named out there's a number in the city Donnybrook in Yall in Wilton Ballancolic Mallow Ballyvillan Toker Skibbereen Charleville Middleton Bishopstown Castletown Bear Inishannon Middleton Kinsale and Skibbereen I think no matter where you are across Cork City and County you're bound to be close to one of those they are the luckiest shops at the moment but you could be in with a chance tonight you could could win the top prize you can win the chance of sharing it I still think and I know 
<laughs> I know I get it in some quarters when I say oh, that's too much for one person but 190 million euro does seem like an incredible sum of money for one person to win I hope if it has to go on one winning ticket that it be a rather large syndicate and people can spread the love around that's euro millions at tonight 1850 some of your calls and comments coming into the programme now uh, earlier I spoke with uh, Humphrey Deegan who drew our attention to the fact that after all the money that's been invested in the flood relief work in Clannock Kilty. The Ring Road in Clan flooded last night uh, and Humphrey was on rather exasperated sharing that story with us. Frank and Bandon and by the way we contacted as soon as we got the call in from Humphrey uh, Deegan and John Paul says there was more calls from the Clannock Kilty area almost as soon as we came on air this morning. We got in contact with Cork County Council. We are still awaiting a reply as to what happened and what's gone wrong and why has the road flooded. Frank in Bandon says water was flowing for centuries in one direction. But Frank said greed came in. And what did they do? They started to build on flood plains. Water will find its own path. But if you disrupt the path, then you do so at your own peril. No matter what digging goes on, be it in Bandon or in Clannacilty, in Formoy or in any town, anywhere in the country, water always has to go somewhere. And it goes back to the problem of building on floodplains. And Kay in Clannacilty says, if you interfere with nature, these are the consequences. And Derek in Bandon says, wait for Thursday. With this Hurricane Lorenzo, if that storm does come with high winds and heavy rain, there'll be a lot of flooding, not just on the Ring Road in Clannacilty. And we're all keeping our fingers crossed that that will pass us. And Sandy says, along the Ring Road in Clann, the road at the oil depot, that was also covered with water yesterday. And Sandy says, did the contractors' huts not get flooded while work was ongoing near the Ring Road? I don't know. Uh, Sandy reckons I heard that. Plus, um, Sandy also heard a rumour, suspicion, that some pipes were laid in a wrong direction. But uh, he doesn't know if that is fact or not. Yeah, often when this kind of works like that going on, you'll hear there'll be various rumour machines running uh, running around the press. But then when the road floods, after we were told it wouldn't flood, everybody will all have... Oh, I heard this and I heard that. As I say, we're, we're, we've gone straight to the source. We've gone to Cork County Council to try to find out what is the problem. Can it be solved? Is it a one-off? Hopefully, as Humphrey said, it's something to do with maybe a faulty valve. You know, something can go wrong with valves. Let's just hope that it is something like that and that it gets sorted and that it won't happen again. 1850 This is on child minding. Remember we spoke about child minding earlier on this morning and somebody was saying, wasn't it, Tim was saying that he feels for the children that end up in very relaxed homes being looked after child minders and he named in particular uh, women in their 50s who were the generation that stayed at home to raise their children. Now their own children are done. They're proving to be excellent child minders and they're working from home. They're very relaxed and he, fe- he feels for the children then that leave this very relaxed atmosphere with their childminder and then they're going home to very stressed out parents and he described it as a, as a tense pressure cooker environment in the evening when you've had both parents at work busy days at work and then they're coming home and they're trying to get housework done maybe trying to prep a dinner maybe trying to get lunches ready for the next day homework might need to be done it can just be a complete pressure cooker you can just you can imagine the stress levels in, in the house and Tim says it's the children he feels for well that's prompted somebody to say Patricia I actually mind children in my own home uh, we take them to school pick them up from school we do all of their homework with them we feed them and they would never once ask about their parents. Once they get out 
my door in the morning. When the dad picks them up in the evening, there are days when the dad almost has to beg them to come home. Now, says this childminder, I think that's very sad because they, as in the parents, I'm assuming is who the day they is, are, are missing out on so much. And you're obviously a fantastic childminder. And when you say we, I'm assuming it's you and your husband. You're kind of collectively doing it together. And what a wonderful service you're offering to the family. But obviously the love and support and care that you're giving to those children that you're employed to mind. Well done. And there are many, many other fantastic childminders uh, like that that are working away from home and and doing terrific jobs and, you know, and raising, helping to raise children really is is what you're doing. And you're right, the parents are uh, missing out. And probably if you were to ask those parents why they're doing it, they're doing it for financial reasons. And I'm assuming that they're doing it to keep the roof over those children's heads. But they are, you are right, they are missing out on so much. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Bingo goes ahead in Chambally Moor Community Centre tonight. That's at half past eight with a jackpot of €1,850. Middleton and Mitchellstown members of the North Cork ICMSA are meeting this evening in the Grand Hotel in Formoy. It's at half past eight and it's to elect officers for the coming year. Copine Agricultural and Historical Society are presenting a film evening in Copine with Tim Crowley and his brother Tom. They will show their new films, Shadows and Bandon at War. It'll be held tomorrow night, half past eight, in, in on Copine. And everybody, very welcome to attend. And you can join Bandon Tidy Towns at six o'clock this Thursday at the bridge for a litter picking walk along the Graham Northern Walk and surrounding areas. And Rock Chapel Parents Association are hosting a fashion show this Friday in the local community centre starting at 8pm. Tickets are available from the local shop or at the door. Fabulous door prizes up for grabs as well as great spot prizes. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And thank you to Eddie from Mahan WhatsApping 0862103103 with regard to the interview we did yesterday. This I was still getting a lot of commentary and it was Colm Keane and Uno Hagen talking about the village of Bernadette. Uh, and Eddie says, Patricia, I was, I was listening to the couple who wrote the book on St. Bernadette. It is, i.e. Lords, a great place to go. I've seen that every year in June when I travel there with the Diocese of Cloyne on their annual pilgrimage. I've been doing that for the past 17 years. My nephew who has special needs but helps out has also been going for the past 25 years. My dad went for 30 years even the year he celebrated his 100th birthday. That was the last time he went. We always love going back. It's very rewarding. Thanking you says Eddie from Mahan and that's kind of reflected in what a lot of people say once they go once they keep going back. Thank you for that uh, Eddie and the book once again is called The Village of uh, Bernadette. Now I've had conflicting texts in one from Betty saying is glad this is good news. One from Fran saying very disappointed news. What are both Betty and Fran talking about? They're talking about the news that Tourism Ireland who have responsibility for marketing Ireland overseas has confirmed that they are suspending the promotion of greyhound racing. And it's it, up, up to this, they have used it to promote 
the country's tourism and they put it out there as a reason why tourists should come to this country. Tourism Ireland has decided and other tourism bodies that they're no longer going to use greyhound racing as part of their promotion of the country. Now obviously there's shock and disappointment not just Fran who's disappointed but those within the greyhound industry themselves. Obviously this is all to do with what came out from the RT documentary and the subject of greyhound welfare Um, and the because of that they've decided no they're not going to use it from an Irish tourism point of view and the Irish Greyhound Board say that greyhound racing is a national sport it's a legitimate sport and it also is an important industry which people are entitled to participate in and they're entitled to enjoy they say the tourism market is also an important demographic for the greyhound industry and of course it supports both direct and indirect employment within and outside of the greyhound community now Falta Ireland They say on the back of the concerns raised by the Sport and Tourism Minister Shane Ross following the documentary that both Falta Ireland and Tourism Ireland met with the Irish Greyhound Board last week to tell them, to convey to them that the promotion of greyhound racing will now not feature in tourism marketing campaigns either domestically and they're also n- it's not going to feature uh, overseas so it hasn't gone down too well within the greyhound industry itself and remember that the greyhound industry and the Irish Greyhound Board they receive 16.8 million euro in state funding every year and that comes from the Department of uh, Agriculture and the Irish Greyhound Board now they've been doing their best to try to repair the damage done to the sport's reputation in recent times particularly as a direct result of the documentary and the television programme showed that up to 6,000 greyhounds are killed every year as they're simply not fast enough it also reveals that 10 times more puppies are being bred than the industry actually needs and as a result of that there's a, a call of the ones that are that are not required um, the board the Irish Greyhound Board say that they are doing their best to, you know, to try to clean up the image of the greyhound industry. And they also last month launched a one million euro dedicated fund to the care and welfare of racing greyhounds. The board's board says it will soon be making a detailed submission to both tourism bodies on the area of care and welfare of the greyhound. But in the meantime, as of now, both Fault Ireland and Tourism Ireland say no longer will they use greyhound racing by way of trying to attract people to come to this country or even internally to get people to go to various parts of the country. And that comes on the back of the uh, the Greyhound Board. They've already lost some of their top sponsors. Barry's Tea pulled out, FBD Insurance and Connolly's Red Mills. They've all pulled out by way of uh, sponsorship. So, as I say, we got in almost back-to-back Text coming in from Betty thinks it's fantastic news. She was really glad to hear that Tourism Ireland and False Ireland have taken this decision. She would not like to see Greyhound Racing used to try to encourage people for tourists to come to this country. Whereas Fran is very, very, very disappointed. And I'm assuming Fran would agree with the Irish Greyhound Board that at the end of the day, it is a legitimate sport. And it's also an important industry when it comes to the amount of jobs, both direct and indirect, the amount of people that are employed. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. 
Flora Gaelga, RC103. Anne Frank, Bacallian Og, Judahi, Anne Frank, a four Boston Holocaust. Ruguk Anne Frank, Erin Darlow, Degden, Vib Mehiv, Nedeg, Fehane, a Frank Frank Sigarmon. Akvoga Tailokidi, Olnok, Devorganora, Hula Viega Aher. Lillian and Darakoga Downda, Jurok Lenin Winter, Dolly Vlock on the Stapo. Norvishi de Vlock, Madshi Dilan, Lenatahi, Ogslenis Munti. Scrivshi and Quidismo Dailan, Ivermlichka, de Gwina Dervanum Kitty. Scrivage for Dilan Freshen, Aknir Honig Shid Reaver. Brother Wan Scrivshi, in a Dilan, no, when I write, I can shake off all my cares, but will I ever write something great? Vishi de Vlock, if I go Teresian Koga, Honig Aher and Air Undilin, August Viuna Air Nur, Konik Shay, Keiko Abi Savishi, Teresia Lab, Dantik Shay, but she gave me diary of a young girl. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Don't miss a very special event. This Wednesday in Borby County Cork, Liam O'Connor. With special guest, Brian Kennedy. Will you walk with me? Tickets on sale now on 87 Liam O'Connor with Brian Kennedy. Live at the Church of the Immaculate Conception, Borobui County, Cork. Wednesday, October 2nd. Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. And Joe Heffernan joins me on this Tuesday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. And you are very welcome. And today we are continuing with a topic that we've been talking about, which is stress. Uh, We've been doing this for the last number of weeks. And we're doing a stress test, which we normally do about once a year. And you're great for keeping a record and track of this. It has been over a year since we've last done this stress test. Yeah. 
Goodness me, yes. how, how yeah. fast the time year, flies. How no? time flies. Yeah. Now, just remind listeners how the stress test works. Okay, it's very, very simple and straightforward. There are 19 questions, and um, you put a tick on a piece of paper um, if, if, if one of the ones that's called out is true for you. In other words, for example, the first one. I eat at least one hot, balanced meal a day. If that's true for uh, anyone uh, listening, doing the test, that's um, one tick. Put a tick on that. One. Okay, so we're and, so uh, all the so you really just need to count all the yeses, all the all the statements that are read out. That is that you're saying yes to. Yeah. Don't worry about the nose. It's just all the yeses. Absolutely. So you actually could do it in your head if you want to, but if you have pen and paper, it does make it easier. It's handier. Okay. Because you're to- wondering, did I say yes to eight or was it nine? And, so um, you can count yeah, them up afterwards. It's a lot easier to okay. just put a so dot on a piece of paper. Fly, fly down through them and then we can work out who's stressed and who's not stressed. So, okay. So that's okay. the first. I eat at least one healthy, hot, healthy, balanced meal a day. Absolutely. Okay. I eat at least one hot, balanced meal a day. The second one. I get seven to eight hours of sleep four nights a week. I get seven to eight hours of sleep four nights a week. Uh, the third one, I give and receive affection regularly. Um, I give and receive affection regularly. I'm just grabbing a pin there because I'm going to do my own one um, uh, as we go along. Um, So um, I'd be saying yes to the first one. I'd be saying no to the second one. I'd skip it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, I mean, I'm being held on myself. Yeah. Well, can, I, can I just say, because I did mention this earlier when I said we'd be doing it, you've got to be honest because oh. you're only lying to, you're lying to yourself by not being honest. If you want to get a true reflection of this stress test, then you have to be honest with yourself. And even to be held on yourself yeah. because yeah. Um, if there's a doubt, if it's maybe, maybe not, then put a note. it as a not. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Okay. 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 Right, the, the, the fourth one. I have at least one relative within 50 miles on whom I can rely. Now, you can live next door to your relatives and not be able to rely on them. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, The next one is, I exercise to the point of perspiration at least twice a week. Um, Now, I was talking to some cardiac people back along there and I was kind of saying, um, you know, they were talking about exercise and I said something about the odd game of golf, which is getting odder with me in every way. But um, they said, no, that wouldn't qualify. Okay. It's a, That's a kind of a stroll. It's I exercise to the point of perspiration at least twice a week. So I certainly wouldn't be taking that one. The next one is I do not smoke. Okay, and the next one is I drink fewer than five alcoholic drinks a week. I drink fewer than five alcoholic drinks in a week. The next one is I am the appropriate weight for my height. Mm -hmm. And the next one is I have an income adequate to meet my basic expenses. I have an income adequate to meet my basic expenses. The next one is, I get strength from my spiritual beliefs. 
The next one is, I regularly attend club or social activities. And I suppose the emphasis there, um, Patricia, would be on regularly attend club or social activities. Um, The next one is, I have a network of friends and acquaintances. A network of friends and acquaintances. Yeah, okay. Um, The next one is, I have one or more friends to confide in about personal matters. Now, I'd be inclined to emphasize there that the requirement is only one. If it's more, that's grand. But I have one or more friends to confide in about personal matters. The next one is, I can speak openly about my feelings when I'm angry or worried. I can speak openly about my feelings when angry or worried. The next one is, I have conversations with the people I live with about domestic problems, chores, money, and daily living issues. Mm. Yeah, I can be taking that. I've just been told that I have to bring out the bins today. So. But you see, some people there will do the passive-aggressive bit. That, that that would be me. I wouldn't be... I'd be stomping around rather than pointing out, would you do that? I'd end up being the martyr and doing it myself. So I, I actually have to put a no on that one. Isn't that weird? Go on. Okay. Go on. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, the next one I think is important, and it's the one that a lot of people don't tick, um, in my own experience working with people um, in, in, the, in the office. I do something for fun. At least once a week. I do something for fun at least once a week. Although I do find that people tend to kind of um, have, uh, you know, they consider something quite up the line when they think about that one. I mean, for example, um, I love to read. And uh, if I'm, and I always am, in the middle of a novel or if I have a series on the telly, for example, that I uh, like to watch. follow, yeah, um, th- that to me would yeah, qualify. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean going out and spending a lot of money or going to the theatre or going to a show or going to the movies. You can have fun at home as well. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, once you give yourself the time to do it. Yeah. Now, the next one then, I, uh, I suppose, ties a bit into that. I am able to organise my time effectively. No, I, I, you and me could definitely be taking that one because um, our time is sort of dictated to us. Okay. Um, you know, yeah. uh, we, 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 we have uh, we've our time in the diary for doing this or doing that. And, um, you have so, to stick to it. Exactly. And, and, and that kind of is a twel- does it for us. Um, and, I, you know, uh, maybe we not too bad either at finding time outside of work to organise the time effectively like to go ahead in the diary and maybe to mark off a day and to say yeah that's that now I'm going to the ISCP conference now um, on, on Saturday in uh, Kilishi Hotel I've, 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 where is that? it must be very near Nace apparently oh ok yeah, yeah yeah. so it'll be my first experiment now with the um, with the Google Maps oh yeah, first go. So I'll probably finish up in outer Belfast or something. <laughs> yeah, they're great. It's just my problem is I can't turn left from right. So when it says go left, I go right. 
<laughs> and so I have a problem with no, that. that. But yeah, they're very, it's very effective. That, it's that, very wouldn't, that wouldn't help. No, no, no it's very effective. No. Okay, the second last one then? The second last one is I drink fewer than three cups of tea, coffee or cola per day. That catches me every time. Me too. I, yeah. I wouldn't be taking that. I, I'm yeah. very fond of the old cup of coffee. Yeah. And then the last one is uh, and I think it's a very important one. I take quiet time for myself during each day. Mm. No, tricky. Yeah, um, you see, I'm going to I'm going to say no to that. I and think I, I, I will I, too. And I've, in previous years, when I've done this, because I decided today I was going to be brutally honest. Yeah, I lied. Or I did. Well, I suppose I was being. I think I was going. Oh, well, maybe. And sure, yeah. I did that once last week. But it's the everyday bit. The each day bit is what yeah. has kind of hit yeah. me now there between the eyes. Um, because when I'd be after the first five or six words, I quite I take quiet time for myself. I would be inclined to say, um, yeah, I do. Then during each day. Mm. Mm. Okay, so that's nineteen statements. 19. So people now have to count up how many yes. Yeah. How many positives and, 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 did you get um, to the very statements? The, the received wisdom is that if you're fifty percent, if you're over to fifty percent, that you know you're coping with the stresses in life. Now, obviously, doing the mathematics, that'd be ten or more. Okay. So I'll, I'll see how many I take. Count yours up there: one, two, one, three, two, four, five, six, Oh, you've done yeah. well. You've done well on 13. I've come in at 11, but as I said, I was brutally honest with myself. Fair enough. This time round, I decided fully no one except me. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm at 11. I know there are areas that I need to work on. But OK, um, talk us through if somebody, because don't you know there will be people listening to us doing it would have come in at under that 10 figure that you're talking about, the magic figure of 10. Yeah. Somebody who came in lower... They need to work on their stress levels. Well, what I usually say when we do this, and I'm doing it myself right now, would be I, uh, after ticking out on the left side, I would now put some kind of a note or a line or something uh, to the right of the ones that I didn't say yes to. And I'd, I'd, uh, w- where it's feasible then and achievable, I might make those a goal. Mm. For example, I'm looking now at the last one. I take quiet time for myself during each day. I have a line opposite that now on the right, and um, I'm going to have a good think about that and um, and and uh, and say to myself, um, can, can I do that? And what occurs to me straight away there is I'm only talking ten minutes, mm. um, just ten minutes to sit in an armchair, to sit wherever, and to just switch off. Do a little bit of breathing and mindfulness and to just be in that armchair for the 10 minutes and switch off. Sister and Stan is, you know, a great admiration for Sister Stan and who's fantastic when it comes to mindfulness. And uh, she was she was one of the first I ever heard talk about that. She did a very busy life, but she'll always make that 10, 15 minutes every day, sometime in the day, just to do mindfulness, just to sit, meditate and reflect. Right. And, and that, I suppose when you think about it, that's not out of reach for any of us. We're only talking 10 minutes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So that would be very much um, achievable. Um, the, the other no's for me, like the coffee, look, I'd be only cutting myself, um, you know. And the, is it just what, tea, coffee and the cola, it's caffeine, it's bad for your stress. Exactly, yeah, okay. exactly. Um, from the ingredients of all three, um, yeah. It would be um, uh, caffeine. Um, 
And amazingly enough, you know, it, it, it always, there are two contradictions in life that I find um, are um, misunderstood greatly. One is, if a person is depressed, to have a drink or two. Alcohol is a depressant, mm-hmm. and it pulls you down. Um so that's a contradiction. And the other one is smoking. And I, I have a cigarette to calm myself. But the nicotine in cigarettes is a stimulant. So, in fact, you're doing exactly the opposite body-wise um, to what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. 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 And there, yeah, so they're ones that anyone could, you could give up the cigarettes and you can cut down on, on, on the drink as well. Yeah. And then, and exercising to the point of perspiration, that's something all of us can do. You've got to, again, it's about making, you know, because when, when you hear people give a reason for not exercising, the one inevitably that you will hear is, oh, sure, I have no time in the day. Where would I yeah. find time to get out and exercise to the point of per- perspiration? You can do that indoors yourself. You can, you know, set up an exercise routine if you can't find the time to get out of the house. Or you can get out and have a good half an hour walk. Absolutely. And and as long as it's brisk. Apparently, and I've been trying to do this uh, recently, apparently once you're sort of extending yourself, once you're, you know, once you can feel, wow, this is a bit of an effort now, um, that then you're, you're sort of covering that. Um uh, it's the the stroll apparently doesn't qualify. No, but but if you put a bit of work into it and you find that you know that you're breathing a little bit quicker because of the effort of walking, well then apparently I I'd be inclined to say yeah I'd be I'd be taking that one if I was doing that. I don't know about the perspiration bit, but yeah. Yeah. Okay, and then keeping in contact with friends. They're all obvious ones that, you know, that you may have fallen out of doing, but could reconnect with friends again. Yeah, I, I recently now sent a text to an old friend um, uh, when I worked in UCC. And, um, you know, <laughs> it was a little bit, maybe OTT the text. I said, have I done something wrong or are you just neglecting your old friends? Uh. Um so he said, uh, he, he sent me back a nice text and he said, guilty of the latter, let's meet up. Yeah, so we did, yeah. we met up yeah, and that's had a coffee. Good. That's good. Yeah, well, the coffee lasted two hours and well done. minutes. That's a good friendship. I always think that about, I would have friends who I may not see uh, for many, many years because, you know, we live apart or, or, or whatever. Sometimes we don't even live that far apart, but it can still busy lives and whatever. And then when we do meet up and we get chatting, it's as if we only met yesterday. And I, I, I do think that's a sign of a really, really good friendship. Yeah, and in this case now I had something that I really wanted to discuss, um, as it said somewhere there, um, on a personal, uh, uh, one or more friends to confide in about personal matters. This was a personal matter, and uh, I, I wanted to talk it over. Um, now, the uh, the same guy would have great training in, in our own kind of work, and um, so he just said two words to me, or three. He just said, um, you were hurt. Yeah. And he, that he was, was enough. Yeah, he was a good sounding board. He was a great yeah. sounding board. And he didn't offer solutions and he didn't say how the whole thing could be fixed. Yeah. He just said, he acknowledged you were hurt. Which you knew already. Yes, yeah. but it was good to hear it. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. Abs- absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then things like organising your time more effectively, trying to find fun in your life. They're all things that, that you can work on. The one that uh, th- that you put a no to, the seven to eight hours sleep, four nights a week. Now, a lot of people will identify with that. A lot of people battle 
with getting a good night's sleep. And I think, I find this, I, getting older, I don't need as much sleep as I did when I was younger. Yeah. Well, well, I, I mean, uh, as we're talking here now on the 1st of October, like I had a particularly bad night last night. Okay. Um, no great reason. Just some nights are good. Some nights are bad. And, uh, you know, when you find yourself awake at five o'clock. Um, w- watching it, the clock. It's, yeah. And what I tend to do is I get into the breathing exercise. Yeah. And, and I just try to accept it. Um, so there's no good railing against it anyway. Yeah, I find a podcast gets me off to sleep. And if I wake in the middle of the night, I'll just pop a headphone in and I'll be back to sleep in two, three minutes. That okay. just works for me. You see, everything works. Everybody's different yeah. ways of, of getting up, but not to have a good night's sleep. And if you are stressed or worried in any way, it will affect your sleep. Absolutely. Without question or doubt. Like I found last night now, um, about half past four or five o'clock, there was an email that I had meant to send and I didn't. And um, uh, and I knew that it was kind of bugging me. And uh, I was tempted to go out and send it at half past four. And then I thought better of it, but it went anyway at about ten past nine this morning. So that's that out of the way. But yeah, I find if there's something that I intended to do and that is left undone. That that will give you a bad night's sleep? It could. Absolutely. Somebody says, um, hi, a number of people I can see, Angela, including Angela, got 11. 11, I got 11 as well out in 19, Angela. Uh, Somebody got 15. There's a score in of nine. Need to work on your stress levels uh, there. And somebody says, in relation to exercise, I heard before the best way to do it is to incorporate it into your life and do it naturally. For example, take the stairs instead of using the lift. Get the bus a stop. Get off the bus a stop earlier or park a little bit further away from the shop. And that's that's something I started doing in the last year. I always try, unless it's buckling out of the heavens, I always try and park farthest away in the car park as I can so that when I'm walking back with the shop and then I have to go all the way back with the trolley again. It just gets in all of the extra steps and certainly I'll always use the stairs in, instead of a lift. So there are ways you can... There are, and 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 they 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 don't demand an awful lot no. of organisation. No, and you would be amazed if you get one of those step counters. How those extra few like that taking the stairs instead of the lift, parking further away. How your your extra steps will increase without you even realising it. And you would be amazed at how much uh, ste- how many steps you had taken that that in the normal run of events you wouldn't have counted at all. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, and just a final one. Hi, uh, Patricia. Could you recommend a marriage counsellor in West Cork? Now, I, I know you're not going to, and I'm, I'm not expecting you to name yeah. somebody straight, straight out. Yeah. When somebody is looking for a counsellor, what's the general advice? My my advice would be pretty much the same, that um, to uh, go online, www.iacp and uh, immediately in front of you you'll see a heading or a a choice whatever the word is find a counsellor and if you click on uh, then it it talks about area and then if you click on West Cork a whole uh, cohort of counsellors in that area along with pictures hmm? along with pictures they often have photographs don't they of the person yeah, so, and yeah. but especially what, what their areas of expertise are. Yeah, the details of what they specialise in. And you find um, uh, couples counselling or marriage counselling or relationship um, uh, opposite quite a number of names. And then it's a matter of 
you know, what's convenient for you geographically, etc. Yeah, and I have to say I can I can vouch for that IACP because I contacted Joe last year. It was a family member up the country uh, who was looking for advice on a counsellor and I was helping the person out and we went online together and I did exactly as Joe said. We found the area of the country where we were looking for the counsellor. We went through the ones that were in the area because the person didn't want to be driving too far. We went through who was specialising in what area and weirdly enough we whittled it down to about three and it was based then on a photograph we said oh that person looks nice happy and smiley and I know it shouldn't go on a photograph but yeah. it worked and and that was because often and I think you will back me up on this Joe you could go to a counsellor and you mightn't gel with the first one that you go to absolutely Yeah, and there's nothing wrong then with saying I'm going to go somewhere else yeah yeah or to you know something like um, I, 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 I look the words would differ but something like um, maybe the, the, this isn't exactly working for me or um, or uh, what one would hear now and again would be, look, I won't make a future appointment. I'll give you a ring when it's handy, mm. um, which can often mean I, I won't be giving you a ring. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and that's okay. I mean, uh, all people in, in, in my line of work want to do is to be helpful to the person. Yeah. And if they'd be better helped elsewhere, that's great. Okay, and and as well, some people prefer to go to a male counsellor, other people prefer to go to a female counsellor. But can I just say, because there's somebody looking for marriage uh, counselling, that is really good if as a couple, they see there's problems within this relationship, let's go talk to somebody. Oh, absolutely, without question or doubt. And and the job of the um, counsellor in those areas is not to kind of stick people together with superglue. I mean, if people decide on, uh, as they used to say, on mature reflection that, uh, that they would prefer to separate, well, then that's facilitated as well by the person. It's not a case of make this work at all costs. OK, all yeah. right. So um, IACP. Uh, Joe, we leave it there. Have a lovely week. And the same. And uh, thanks a million for joining us. That is Joe Heffernan, who runs a counselling practice in Bohaboy. His number is 029 766 0297-766-17. And thank you to somebody who said a Fitbit. That's, yeah, it counts up your steps. I have the type of watch. I have one of the smart watches that has it as well. It'll count up my uh, steps. Uh, but yeah, it's a Fitbit. I couldn't think of the word for it. Thank you. People are always very good to jump in and, and when I yeah, get stuck in a word. And when we were talking, and we have been talking about Lourdes the last couple uh, couple of days uh, another Trish says uh, maybe I'm the odd one out but I've been to Lourdes I was there once and I just thought it was a great big drinking session I didn't see much religion says uh, Trish well you, that's the only text like that we've had in the all the others are from people who in many ways lives were changed by what they saw and uh, felt at uh, Lourdes but you are of course entitled to your own opinion thank you for that okay that's where I've got to leave you for today my thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon we are back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock for Wednesday's edition of the programme until then I'm Patricia Messenger very good afternoon get weekly news event updates and community information from across Cork with our regional reports on c103.ie from Bantry to Buttevant to Hallow to Dunmanway and every area in between. We've got it covered. To listen, go to c103.ie and click Regional Reports or download the C103 app and click Podcasts. Regional Reports, only on C103. This Wednesday on C103's Cork Today Show, we'll be speaking with a representative from Awalia. 
Awalia is a scheme to help homeowners find a resolution to their home mortgage arrears. It provides vouchers for free financial and legal advice and help from experts which are available through MABS. If you have been through the Awalia scheme and would like to share your story, or if you're looking for advice, email corktoday at c103.ie. Then listen in this Wednesday at 11.45am only on C103. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.